good morning. So a few months ago, uh, in my work as a palliative care chaplain, I was making rounds with one of the physicians, and we came in to see a patient and to see how he was doing. And she asked him, so how are you feeling today? How is your pain? And he says, well, in order to answer that, I'm going to have to start at the beginning, back before I was born. And as he begins to tell us about his childhood and his parents and his time in the service, somewhere into his second marriage, or maybe it was his third child, the physician stopped him and says, is this story going to get back to your pain? And that came to mind this morning as I was preparing my sermon on the Gospel of John. You see, we've just been working our way through the Christmas story in Matthew and in Luke. And though those two stories are quite distinctive and uh, different, uh, we kind of tell that story each year without any cognitive dissonance or um, irony by conflating them together. And so we have the Magi and the shepherds and all that. And then we come to John's nativity, and it begins before creation, at a time when the Word uh, and the Father were one. This idea of the Christ preexistent with God and coming into the world to be in flesh so that God can be with His people. And this prologue is the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. It begins with the creation story, just like in the beginning, and tells of the story of Jesus coming to be with us, to tabernacle with us, to really be dwelling among us in that same way that God traveled with the Israelites through the, the desert to get to this point. And so it's a very different starting place, and it makes a very different kind of claim. You see, the different Gospels really identify Jesus as the Son of God, as the Christ in different places. For Paul, uh, he really identifies that after the resurrection, that the resurrection is what certifies Jesus as the Christ. You know, for Mark, it begins at the baptism. You know, remember when Jesus comes out of the water and the Spirit comes down and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased? And then for Matthew and Luke, it's pushed back to Jesus' birth. It's at that point that everyone comes and recognizes this child as the Christ. So the shepherds and the magi. But for John, it begins all the way before creation. And so with John's gospel, we have a very different take on this Messiah story. And it's in this year that we're going to be reading the gospel of John, alternating with the gospel of Mark. See, we're on a three-year cycle, and so we just completed Matthew. This will be John and Mark, and then year C will be Luke, and then we'll start it all over again. And so this is the year I kind of think of us as having a little bit of whiplash as we go back and forth between John, who has this sort of fully divine Jesus, who is preexistent, comes into this world, the initiative's always with him, everything happens according to his plan, and it can be a little hard to, to relate to this particular Jesus who is so in control and very expansive in what he says. And that's against Mark, which is the most concise gospel, the most human Jesus, whose identity is sort of at, at, at uh, a question all through the gospel. And it's really not until Jesus dies on the cross that the centurion says, surely this man was the son of God. And so we kind of bounce between these two stories that are quite distinctive and different. I think of this almost like 
uh, physics and the fact that we have, you know, the, the theory of relativity that controls like galaxies and everything big and time and gravity. And then you have like quantum mechanics, which is everything tiny, you know, and things disappear and come into being all at once. And yet they're both true and they're both authentic and they're both reliable, but somehow they don't completely mesh. And so I feel like this year we're kind of in that place where we're going to bounce between these two different stories. And the Gospel of John is not just unique in that way. The Gospel of John is written specifically with us in mind, you and me. It was written so that we might come to belief. See, John's Gospel is the last one written. And in the time it's written, the people that knew Jesus and experienced Jesus have all died. And so this particular gospel is about converting those who will not see Jesus and who will not experience him. And so how will they come to belief? And so the whole gospel is a lot more theological. It's a lot more refined in its reflections. And so a lot of things that are in the other gospels are not here. So for instance, there is no good Samaritan. There is no prodigal son. There is no sower in the field. There's no pearl of great price. There's no foolish bridesmaids. And the sheep do not get separated from the goats. Instead, we get these set pieces. We get like the woman at the well. We get the man born blind. We get the raising of Lazarus. And each of these are complex. And they move from scene to scene. And they're telling us something about who Jesus is and why he has come and what that means for us. It's all written so that you may believe. And so John is telling a very different story, and it has a much clearer point. And the point is, is that God in Jesus has come into the world to dwell with us, to be with us, so that we might share in that pre-existent relationship of the Father and the Son, that we might become similarly children of God. And now you might say, well, Mike, that's great, you know, Good, good Bible lesson about John. But is this going to get back to my pain? Because let's face it, we're in a tough spot. This pandemic has really uh, challenged us. And it's been very hard for all of us. And frankly, I miss you. I miss you being here. I miss greeting you. I miss singing with you. I miss eating at this table with you. We've lost a lot, and it's been very hard to be so isolated from each other, even if we haven't gotten sick, and even if we haven't lost a loved one. This isolation has brought home something to us that I think maybe we never knew completely. You know, we've all had that, that strange experience of experiencing something through Zoom, and so we're sort of there, but our bodies are here. And we're... we're kind of getting this idea of what it would be like to not have a body, to be somewhere else. And so I think at this Feast of the Incarnation, perhaps more than ever, we can really appreciate this gift that we've been given in Jesus because, you know, being separated is not good enough for us. And it's no, certainly not good enough for God. Because God wants to be with us in our body. And that is a great, great gift. And for those who received him, for those who believed in his name, he gave them the power to be the children of God. 
not born of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of the Spirit and of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. And so I think this year we can receive the Incarnation with renewed appreciation and awareness. And it's my hope that in this new year that we will soon be able to be together again. And so I offer that as my hope and my prayer to you, my friends. And may it be so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.